What is up, everybody? This is awesome. Episode number three of the White Tiger Podcast. We all get one chance at life. What are you doing with yours? All failures and successes in life start with you. You steer your own ship, control your own thoughts, and choose how you react to things that occur. Everybody deals with challenges. It's how you handle them that makes the difference. Proper advice and real-world answers can be hard to come by. And that's where the White Tiger Podcast comes in. Host Craig Casaletto has seen and experienced things most people don't and shouldn't. 15 years in law enforcement taught him many life lessons. And he's here with a raw perspective on the professional and personal challenges life throws our way. This is the White Tiger Podcast. Hey, what is up, people? Welcome back to episode number three of the White Tiger Podcast. I am Craig Casaletto. I am your host, and I am very grateful that you're back here with me, and it's much appreciated. want to show you much love, and thank you for coming back and listening to this guy for another 30 or so minutes. In this episode, I'm going to be giving you some really great tips on how to go pro and becoming a douchebag. I'm also going to tell you a quick story about how I was visited by a ghost during a very dark period of my life. And finally, if you live, work, or visiting the New York City, New Jersey metro area, I'm going to give you the one crucial essential tip for survival. So what the hell are you waiting for? Let's do this. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you for coming back again to the White Tiger Podcast. Uh... I'm excited to be here uh, for this week's episode for for many reasons. I'm going to get a chance to tell you a little bit about my background, which is really important to me. And at the same time, I think we're going to have a little fun, uh, probably at my expense, which I'm sure every single person listening is going to really enjoy. So just a little bit of background, which I think is relative to what we're talking about here today, is that I'm originally from the New York City area. I was born in Brooklyn, New York, and I consider myself a New Yorker, even though I spent a lot of time growing up and living in New Jersey, which is very close to New York, for those who aren't familiar with the United States, or who don't live in the United States, or who are not familiar with what a map is. So being a New Yorker is uh, a privilege, and at the same time, you learn a lot of different things. And you become professional at some cool things, most specifically dropping the F-bomb. The... Word fuck is pretty much as common and normal as any other word in the English vocabulary. You pretty much as a New Yorker drop the F-bomb routinely for everything. You're at the grocery store. You need to buy something. You're buying fucking something. Or I got to do this fucking shit. Or I got to do that fucking shit. Or hey, don't forget to buy that fucking thing. Or look at this fucking guy. It's so common, you don't even realize you're saying it, so you definitely become a professional in dropping the F-bomb. So when you visit other parts of the country, they may not necessarily understand, or one, they peg you out as a New Yorker right away, or second, they may not necessarily understand, and they consider you just being like this vulgar, just unbelievably huge douchebag. But realistically, I mean, that's all you ever know. You just grow up using the F-bomb all the time, no matter what. You could use it as a, a verb, noun, adjective, whatever you want. I can't come up with all the examples. And it's, someone else has said it way, way before this. So I'm sure you could find it if you go on the internet. But 
the interesting thing is, is that it becomes very common and it just, you don't even think about it anymore. You just, you start becoming this professional F-bomb dropper and uh, it's actually pretty cool, I guess. You know, it's just like any other words. I don't even think about it. So in addition to growing up in New York, I spent a lot of times working in the law enforcement career, which you probably heard in episode number one. So if you're joining us for the first time, I was a police officer for uh, a bunch of years. And and in addition to being a police officer, I was also a detective and then a training officer and a sergeant and stuff. And it was really fun and challenging and so on and so on. But the interesting thing about being a coming a police officer or being a police officer is you really start to hate people. You develop this attitude because you're dealing with a lot of headaches and a lot of problems and a lot of crisis and you inherently start to hate people. You see the same shit over and over again. You get called to the same houses over and over again. You're dealing with the same problems over and over again. And after a while, it gets very, very frustrating. And just like any human being dealing with issues at the workplace, if you're dealing with the same issues all the time, it gets frustrating when you don't see those issues corrected. And you're like, I got to do this shit again. We're going back there for this? Holy shit, what? And it gets very frustrating. People start to become douchebags and assholes and screw that person, fuck that person. You become very, very angry and jaded. And it's just a development. You're adapting either to your environment or other people who have been doing that their whole career. And you've been just like, now you're getting involved because that's all you hear. So that's what you're doing. Or through your own experience. You're dealing with the same people who hate your guts, who want to punch you in the face and who are doing the same things and you're hearing the same excuses and you know what your perception is maybe people not taking responsibility for their actions and it drives you freaking insane. And you, be, you learn to hate people. It was funny. You'd sit around and we'd talk and say, oh, that guy's an asshole. That guy's, oh, you went back to, you used to dealing with that douchebag. It's the same thing. Just like, and, and it goes, and, and again, as you probably heard me say like episode number one, is that I don't think anyone is immune from this in a certain degree. Like if, you, if you're in the service industry and you're dealing with, which policing really is, but if you're in the sales industry or the service industry, you're dealing with the same stuff. The same customers come in and complain about the same crap. You're like, oh my God, I got to deal with Mrs. So-and-so again. Oh, Jesus. She's on the phone. She's asking about so-and-so. You're like, oh, what a bitch. You know, and so you're dealing with the same nonsense. So what happens is, is that you don't realize it, but you really, really become good at being a douchebag. And to be honest, it becomes a daily part of your routine. That's all you know. You don't even think about it. It just rolls off the tongue very smoothly. And you know, in relation to this, I was introduced to this concept called the enjoyment performance theory. And basically, what it says is that the more you do things that you enjoy, the more you'll continue to do those things and the better you'll get at them. So as a result, you'll get some you know, internal recognition from yourself, some external recognition from other people, which typically feels good and kind of fuels that same behavior. But the one thing that I didn't realize is that this theory applies to the crappy behaviors just as much as it applies to the really good ones. So if you're, as much as you're like doing something you really enjoy and you continue to do it, like if you're running, if you like to run, and technically, the more you run, the more you enjoy it, the more, the better you'll feel, the more results you'll get, and the more you'll continue to do it. And then you'll start, people start saying, hey, man, you're looking good, man. Check you out. What are you doing? Oh, I'm running, man. It's great. Cool. And you continue to run. Before you know it, you're running marathons, ultra marathons. You're an Ironman or woman or whatever. 
but it also applies to those negative behaviors. So if you're getting enjoyment out of calling people douchebags and assholes and look at this fucking guy and that asshole, man, it just, you continue to do it because it feels good because that's all you know. And then not to mention, if you're working with people that are giving you the recognition, like, yeah, that guy is an asshole. That guy is a douchebag. Look at that douchebag, asshole, douchebag. The cycle continues and it continues and it continues. And before you know it, you just, you tell people that you don't complain, but you really are complaining. It's so funny because a lot of times at work, we would sit there and we would complain. Like anyone else would look at us and say, man, you guys complain a lot. We never saw it as complaining. We always saw it as venting. Like you have issues that you need to talk about. You know, maybe some other people may not understand what you're dealing with or going through because the profession is unique. It was just really more of a venting session. It wasn't complaining. So what we thought, you know, what most people would think is complaining or just just being like this naysayer or pessimist. We were just like, hey, listen, this is real. This is realistic. This is being realistic, not pessimistic. And it's this is the way we deal with stress. And that's it. But it's interesting because the more that you learn those negative behaviors and getting caught up in that cycle of being this asshole, it has a, it takes its toll on you. You may not realize it, but it is. And I think a lot of times that you try to say that it doesn't, but in reality, I think in your heart, you know that it is. And it's not just a mental toll. It's also a physical toll because stress does a lot of crap to your body. And I could tell you from personal experience that it plays with your mind and it takes a lot out of you and it's not healthy, especially in the long term. And you, listen, we have enough going on in our personal lives that we don't need to create any more stress in our lives from stuff like work and whatnot. But you think about it. Sometimes the, the stress that goes on in our personal lives is more than professional. But yeah, you can get caught up in doing these things unless you just take a moment to realize that this is something that you need to fix. And to be honest, that happened to me one day at a very dark time. So I was going through this very stressful time of my life and I was visited by who I like to describe as the ghost of douchebag present. And it was, I, I'm pretty sure that I had a dream and I saw myself. And myself came to me and said that if I continue this attitude and I continue this cycle of being an ass, that things aren't going to go so well for me. Whether it be relationship-wise, mental, or physical, physical health-wise, it's all taking a toll. And it's one that's really, really expensive. So I had to wake up and do something because if I don't wake up and do something, this is really not going to turn out too good. So the next morning I woke up and I'm staring at myself in the mirror while I'm brushing my teeth and I saw something that I'd never saw before. I looked at my competition and he was looking straight back at me and I saw like, this is, this is the guy I'm going to have to beat. I was waiting for that reflection to come back and tell me to go screw myself. But I just looked at that person. I said, listen, I got to beat this person. Otherwise, I'm going to lose. Like, it's not going to go well. So I took a quick look at him. I said, you know, he doesn't look so tough. And I realized that in trying to change the behavior, yeah, he was pretty damn tough because behaviors are hard to change, especially if you've been doing one or multiple ones for most of your life. But, you know, just like with anything else, like here's the good news part of the whole thing, just like with anything else, and you've heard me mention this before, the key to success is being disciplined 
and being consistent. And that really applies for anything, whether it's trying to be better at reading books or uh, I'm going to go back to physical health, like being better at running or lifting weights or whatever it is or losing weight. In order to be successful, you need to be consistent and be disciplined and do it for a long period of time because that's when you start seeing the success. And it, and the problem is it's challenging because it happens in very, 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 very small increments, especially in today's day and age. You want everything like now because I don't consider myself a millennial, but I got to tell you that I still, there's, there's stuff I get spoiled. I want it now. I'm like, I want to find, you know, I could get the scores of any sports game that I want in literally seconds. So why can't I get everything else that I want in literally seconds? So I decided to start this kind of endeavor of changing my behavior armed with some type of plan. Uh, But then I realized that, hey, listen, this is not going to be easy. You know, Um, it's, it's hard. And I found myself slipping back kind of into my, to my old ways. So now in hindsight, if I actually went to a psychologist back then, I'm sure he or she would have told me that I have some underlying unaddressed issues that most likely are contributing to all of this negative behavior. So whether it's being angry, shy, anxious, self-doubting, and so on, there's usually some type of dangling cord that has yet to be cut. And once I figure out how to cut it, that's going to be the first step in changing this behavior and figuring out what I need to do to stop being an ass. So this process required a little bit of soul searching. So after figuring out some of the things that I needed to make peace with and figure out, that was really the first step in changing my behavior and kind of figuring how I'm going to beat myself and win this battle. And to play it out and like this, like to illustrate kind of my thought process during this whole thing, just it, it was kind of like me mentally chasing around this chicken in this coop, just like Rocky did when he was fighting or preparing to fight Mr. T and Rocky won. And after all this time, once I figured, once I caught the chicken, I figured it out. I'm like, all right, this is what I need to do to win. It's going to be tough because I need this. I need, I need to, you know, take a couple more jabs at the hanging piece of rump roast on the hook, but I'm going to figure it out and it's, and it's going to work. And to be honest, it started to work. Once I started to change my thoughts and change my behavior, then I started to, you know, the things that would normally send me into orbit, you know, didn't really send me into orbit anymore. And I kind of didn't, you know, defer to calling people a jerk off and an asshole and more frequently a douchebag. So, you know, the lady that cut me off in traffic, she wasn't a bitch anymore. It wasn't a problem. You know, or the those people who, you know, want to make my business their business, you know, they didn't really bother me anymore. It wasn't that big of a deal. And then there was those people who were, you know, telling me how fantastic they were, that they were just a bunch of assholes. And then I found myself regressing and I and I told myself, I said, Yeah, I did say it. I called him an asshole. It's gonna take time and it's gonna take repetition. So it's not easy. But you got to pick yourself up and do it over and over again. And eventually, you get a little bit better at it. Yeah, so you definitely find yourself on a path that you shouldn't be on. And you need to make sure you get off it. Because the ending is, isn't a good ending. And uh, it's funny because I actually had a conversation with a friend a while ago. And we talked about looking at your life for like you're looking at a movie. 
if you ever look at it that way and say, you know, you ever see a romance movie or something and you're like, listen, you got to get out of this relationship. Obviously, they're not treating you. I mean, you, you wind up actually talking to the characters in the movie, trying to give them advice on what they should do. And you think about take yourself out of that movie. Let's say you're the movie. and You take yourself out of that movie and look at it. Like what kind of advice would you give yourself if you didn't really kind of have a horse in the race? And I kind of found out that, yeah, it's interesting because just like the horror movies, it could be a horror movie. It's like, no, get out of the bathroom. You know what's going to happen. And uh, yeah, you realize it. It's so, it's so easy maybe just to make comments or to give your two cents on something you really don't have an attachment to. But when it comes to yourself, you know, it's hard. You know, a lot of people would ask me, so listen, you know, uh, it's got to be easy. I mean, you deal with all like this crisis in your profession and, and all this craziness. Like it must be pretty, you know, you must be able to use a lot of that skill and that training and knowledge in your personal life. And I got to tell you, once that you have a personal attachment to something or someone or there's you lose it all. Like a lot of times when you're working, you're working, but when it involves you personally and there's an emotional attachment and stuff like that, all those things that you learn, that rationale kind of goes out the window because you're in a different spot because you're not that neutral third party anymore. You're actually a person that's involved. So it's interesting, but, um, yeah, I got to keep practicing it. And listen, the next time that you're ready to mentally just punch somebody in the face or tell them to go take a long walk or for short pier or some other catchy phrase, just realize that, you know, all that attitude and behavioral stuff just starts with one, one person. And that's you. It's that person in the mirror I was talking about before that I wanted to, to flip off. And, you know, all the fair, all your failures and successes, you know, start with you. I mean, you make it happen or you don't make it happen. You could be your worst enemy. And I got to tell you, at times I've been my worst enemy and I find myself doing that even to this day. And probably after I get done with this podcast, I'll feel like, yeah, I'm having a, a battle with something going on that I need to figure out. But it takes time. It takes effort. Some people never figure it out, but it's important to uh, to beat the demon, so to speak. So with that in mind, you know, since I'm talking about my background a little bit earlier and talked about how important it is and what a privilege it is to be growing up in New York, because New York is really just kind of a special city. But, and learning how to be a professional at throwing the F-bomb, which takes a lot of practice. But after years and years of doing it, like I said before, you become a pro. I got to tell you the one thing that everybody here listening, if you're living in New York, New Jersey, or that metro area, the tri-state area as they call it, New Jersey, Connecticut, New York, or visiting, you need one thing. I actually need more than one thing, but one major thing is you need to have some money on hand. Money to get from point A to point B. Because we talk about the toll it takes as far as stress and whatnot on your life and figuring out how to change your behavior. The actual toll it takes to get from one part of New York City, one part of New York to another, is ridiculous. I posted on my blog at wtpodcast.com this blog about the stuff I'm talking about. And literally the Verrazano bridge, which for those again, who are not New Yorkers is the bridge that connects Brooklyn to Staten Island costs, I believe $16 to get across. Imagine doing that every day for work. That's insane. 
I said, you're pretty much going to have to take out a loan just to go to work, to go pay 16 bucks. God forbid you want to go into the city. I think like the tunnels, because there's tunnels that actually get you from, let's say, the New Jersey side into New York or, or whatnot, they're expensive too. It's insane. And then you need patience. But really, the most important thing is you'd have to refinance your house just to get from one borough to the next. And it's it's absolutely insane. And the crazy part is you think with all this money, they would probably have the best roads in the country. And they don't. I've seen some huge potholes there swallow a car, especially after wintertime, if they do all the, like, the plowing of the snow there. It's absolutely insane. And you think they'd have the best roads in the country, but they don't. They have the worst, hands down. And even out... Even out west, because I know a lot of people that are living out west complain about the traffic and mainly the traffic, especially in the L.A. area. Listen, I don't think those people have ever been to New York because if you've been to New York, I could tell you that I tried to go from, I believe it was Brooklyn at the time, to Shea Stadium where the Mets played, which is now City Field. And I literally sat on the Brooklyn Queens Expressway for almost four hours. I could have drove to see the Yankees play the Boston Red Sox in the same time it took me to get from Brooklyn to Queens. It's absolutely insane. So it's funny because when I hear some people out West talk about the traffic in LA, I kind of laugh. And and listen, it's bad. Don't get me wrong. But it is kind of entertaining to hear the complaints because – it's a it's a it's it's an achievement just to get from point A to point B. One, if you don't get into an accident or someone flips you off and you don't get swallowed by a huge crater of a manhole, you know, you're God forbid you miss your exit too. Forget it, forget it. And that's kind of you know why you learn to drop the f bomb so much, and that's why you get so pissed is because driving from point A to point B is very stressful, and everyone else is stressed, and there's a million people. And it's, insp- and it's expensive. So you can see where this all starts, which is interesting. So I wanted, I wanted to do is I wanted to give you a little update from uh, episode two. So episode two, I talked about you know blaming everything on the shanks. And uh, you should check that out because it's a really good episode. Um, I had a lot of fun actually sitting down talking about it. But I got a chance to talk to Mr. Shanks. And he still won't assume defeat. He still won't assume. He's still blaming it on the Shanks. And this has been some time. I think this has probably been, I can't even tell you. It's been, it's not recent. And he's still blaming it on the Shanks. So listen, if it works for him, it could work for anybody out there. So again, if you're having any problems, if you find you can't change your behavior, if you're throwing the F-bomb too much, if you're angry at your wife, your boyfriend, your cousin, if you're pissed at, you know, whatever, just blame it on the Shanks. It's just easier. It's just easier. Listen, it's working for him to this day. And he doesn't lose bad. He doesn't bat an eye or lose any sleep over it. So, good for him. And also, too, I wanted to make a quick correction. Uh, I made the whole uh, mental montage analogy about me chasing the chicken. Um, that was actually Rocky Two, not Rocky One. And also, he wasn't fighting Mr. T, Clubber Lang. He was fighting or preparing to fight Apollo Creed. So, for people who really enjoy their movies, were probably screaming saying you got it wrong, but I just wanted to correct that for sake of thoroughness, make sure I got that correct. So I appreciate you listening to me today. I hope you found the information uh, very useful, entertaining, and relative to some of the things that maybe you may be dealing with. 
Uh, check me out at WTPodcast.com. Again, you'll find my blog up there. Some really good articles. Uh, a lot of them piggyback a lot of the episodes that I'm doing. So if you have some comments, uh, if you enjoy what you're reading, if you hate what you're reading, if you hate what you're listening to or enjoying what you're listening to, please uh, hit me up on the contact page. Just uh, click on the contact page. You can put all your information in there and you can get to me and uh, you can tell me how awesome or terrible I am. And also, too, if you have any questions on any specific topics or anything that you want answered, uh, feel free to uh, let me know. I like to uh, hopefully really kind of be the the backbone of what, what we're doing here is uh, hopefully getting your questions answered because I'm sure you probably just don't want to hear me talk about the same old nonsense all the time. And you probably want me to hear, talk about something that's related to you. So thanks again for your time. I really do appreciate it. Check me out again at WTPodcast.com. You can also follow me on all your favorite social media sites like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and any others I may have missed. And you can find all those addresses again at WTPodcast.com. So have a great week. Have fun. Blame it on the shanks. And I think I also broke a record for saying douchebag in a podcast episode. I got to keep a track next time, but I think it's, it's up there. I may have won that award if it even exists. So go out there, have some fun, spread the love, and remember, most importantly, don't be a douchebag. Thanks for listening to the White Tiger Podcast. If you have feedback or questions for future episodes, get in touch by visiting WTPodcast.com. Oh, 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 oh